0: All right, hello everybody, and welcome to Two Ladies in the Kingdom. Uh, I am Sylvie, and I have and a vlog. Emma. <laughs> Emma also has a vlog. Uh, and we are fighters in Thailand uh, who also like to talk about things. So we have a podcast now. Um, and our podcast is sponsored by Low Blow, um, which makes both male and female uh, groin guards. But Emma and I are way into the female groin guards because we're ladies. <laughs> uh, so that is what a female groin guard looks like, and uh, my interesting story uh, this month about the low blow is that um, I put it on for my fight at uh, Tom Day. I put it on first, but then I had to take off my shorts to put on my other ones, and my coroner, who I had never met before, had also never seen one before, and so he was like, what is that, and like made me pull my pants down so he could look at it, and I was like, you know, there's a reason that a change in the bathroom, sir. <laughs> it's just <laughs> <this> awkward. <laughs> Stop staring at my crotch. He had never seen a female groin guard before, and he was, like, really fascinated. But then when I got into the ring, the female ref totally, like, knocked on it. And I was like, what if I wasn't wearing one?
1: <laughs> That's lucky. How did you know? <laughs> but, I mean, I was pretty excited the first time I saw it, so I can't really blame that guy.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> But I didn't you say you had that before where like refs have like kind of given you a grab and forgot that like hey that's a that's not a dude. Yeah like, but you weren't time, wearing it.
0: One time a male ref just gave me the little like the little <laughs> touch and then there was this very awkward eye contact and he's like sorry and I was like, Yeah, I'm sorry as well. Like it was super awkward. But it was just one time a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um but I wanted to ask you about, because you put up a post about your fight, and how you were both kicking simultaneously and you were so happy that you were wearing your Loblo, um, and now your opponent maybe has one, so what is the story about that?
1: Oh yeah, so the first time I got to wear mine in a fight was uh, on the 1st of March, I fought uh Kutai tong and uh, she kicks really, really hard. And <laughs> Yeah, we... <laughs> we yeah at one point in the fight she like kicked my arm and it just went (laughs) like fell down (laughs) couldn't use that anymore but um at one point i don't know if i was blocking or kicking at the same time yeah she kicked me right in the crotch and i in that moment i was like that would have been so bad if i wasn't wearing this it was just really that was the first time um but then after the fight um one some of the people from her gym got in touch with me because they they were looking for a groin guard for her, mm. and immediately I said I'm oh, gonna get a Low Blow, and then when, when I got in touch with Low Blow directly, they were nice enough to to just say oh we'll just send we'll just send her one. You oh, know? That's awesome. But now she has one and she just used it in her fight. She fought it was her twenty first fight. Like, she fought on the sometime over Song mm. Um and from her camp said she loved it. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how did you she it? She said to the groin, and she said she said she was really glad that she was wearing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't wear mine during pad work in the last month because I was like, oh, there's no time to go put it on because it, it kind of I have to get all the straps right and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'll just go in. Yeah. And then um, my trainer need me really, really hard. It was like uh-huh. I was down for a little bit, <laughs> damaged. And then the next day, I guess he had been need by someone, and he wears a cup all the time. And he was complaining about it for like two days, that like the edge of his cup had kind of hit him or something. And I'm like, dude, because it's not polite conversation, I can't tell you. <laughs> but it was not as bad as what she did to me like, yeah. at all. So, yeah. yeah, Good product. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, Emma, what is going on with you right now? We have a lot of time to catch up on.
1: Yeah, we really do. <laughs> um... <laughs> So the last time we talked was March the 1st, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because we, we were both about to fight later. Yeah. Uh, I had that one fight on that day, and then two weeks later I had another fight in uh, Petbury, which was at, like, a temple festival, and um, that was really cool. Um, it was, like, in the middle of nowhere, you know, where they have these cool temple fairs where they've got, like, the ring, and next to the ring there's like a stage with a bunch of people dancing, and then on the other side of the ring there's like, big inflatable slides. <laughs> and kids playing games and stuff. Um And we got there, and it turned out we had to wait like, three hours until I had to fight. It, it seems like, in, in my experience with fights, it seems like you, you're either fighting immediately as soon as you get there, or you have to wait like, all night. There's mm-hmm. no like, happy medium. I don't know if you find that. Um, but the actual fight, I, when I got there, they were like, oh, it's three rounds. Uh, I have no idea why. None of the other fights were three rounds. I don't know if that was something my opponent requested or because it was the only female fight. I have no idea. But I kind of told myself when I went in, I was like, it's not going to go three rounds anyway. Um, and it didn't, so I stopped her in the second, <laughs> so that was nice. <laughs> you know, I don't need them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another interesting thing about that fight is when I got into the ring the announcer said in Thai that there was like neither of us were being paid for this fight, and I was like, oh that's a nice surprise, I didn't know that.
0: (laughs) Why did they announce that? Like what is that relevant to?
1: I don't know, I didn't hear the whole thing, but we did get like a tip at the end of it. (laughs) but I gave that to my trainers.
0: Yeah, they should maybe mention that to you before
1: you go into fights. I mean, it's lucky that I'm not fighting for money. Yeah. Especially in the temple fair you don't expect it to, to really make anything, but Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. But it was cool. I'm hoping that uh they'll have another one and I can fight on another one of those little because 'cause they're my favourite type of fights actually.
0: Yeah, me too. Alright, so I was actually gonna ask you uh if you avoided Sankran pretty well.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, it's actually the first year that that I did that. Um the first day uh Yeah, I I barely even went out on the first day until it was time to come to the fights and then uh, the place where you were fighting was pretty much right next to Khao San Road which is the Mm. worst place it it could have been for Songkran because it's mental but uh, the good thing about Songkran in Bangkok is that most people actually leave the city so traffic within the city is like non-existent so we're able to just zoom down there in a taxi and kind of avoid most of the water (laughs) thrown when we got there. Um, and then the other two days, I pretty much hibernated. I was really boring. Yeah. I didn't go out at all and I just kind of worked on writing in kind of other kinds of things that I was supposed to up on. I, I, I get the impression you're a bit of a Songkran Grinch as well, so you didn't go out.
0: Yeah, so for, for people who don't know what Songkran is, it's, um, it's one of those holidays that people who are older than 30 years old maybe remember a little bit differently than how it's celebrated now, there's like a basically nationwide water fight that lasts what should be three days, but lasts for like seven to nine days or something, um, and it's fun your first time for like the first hour, and then it's just really (laughs) intense because you can't get away from it. Um, and last year when we came to Pattaya, I had a, I had a fight over in Bang Saray and it's like 20 minutes away, and so we drove up and I fought Loma, And then there was like an uh, Loma is like the the national champion and like my nemesis because I've never beat her and I always want to beat her. Um, So the way back was like an hour and a half drive in the back of a truck because it was just wall to wall people throwing water in their trucks. So it took us forever to get home. And Jaidee had like a complete panic attack because he was just getting water thrown on him. So now he has like this complete, he's even more averse to Songkron than I am. And when we were pulling up to the fights on the 13th in Bangkok, we were in a car. We were not even in a truck, and someone threw water, and it like hit the window, and he went into full on like shake mode. And we were like, oh, it's gonna be a really long night. Like it's not. Gonna be nice. <laughs> so I think uh, I think Jadee managed to stay out of Sankran really well this year, and uh, I was here for a couple of days, and then went to um, Singapore because my sponsors, Onyx, invited me out there, so I managed to like actually leave Thailand and not <laughs> not be around for Sankran. So um, that's the first time I've left the country not for a border run, and not for like a very short fight, basically where you do a border run. So um, it was interesting for me to leave, and Onyx is cool, and um, when I was driving back, my taxi driver was like, oh, you are like a real Thai, you leave Thailand for Sankran. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Did you like Singapore? I did. It was um it reminded me a lot of California, but much cleaner. Um, it's super
1: cool.
0: It was very, very hot and uh, the architecture is really cool. Everything looks really new. Um, mm-hmm. but there's like greenery mixed in with everything. so you don't have to like go to a park to see trees. There's actually like foliage everywhere that's really beautiful. Um, and people from Singapore you know everything is relative to what you know so they were like oh it's a concrete jungle and traffic is so bad and I was like what traffic are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Patia? like no there's there no traffic here so it's really nice and um, the training is a little bit like uh, western style where it's like classes um, so th- it's been a very long time since I've done something like that but um, it's super well organized for people in very different levels to be able to all do the same thing so Um, I actually had a really really good time training there, Um, and I'm really sore from their conditioning because I'm not used to like carrying kettlebells and stuff, like I don't... I haven't swung a kettlebell in maybe five years or something. (laughs) (laughs) You got to eat lots of cool food. Yeah, the food was amazing. I totally just left it up to my hosts. I was like, order whatever is good, and it was all really really good, so... um, If you go to Singapore, just eat anything and it should be (laughs) alright, it's really good. Um, Alright, so the last time we talked, when we were both getting ready to fight, um, I was fighting Fa Chang Rai here in Pattaya, and then four days la- three days later, I was fighting her up in Chang Rai, which is where she's from, Fa Chang Rai, um, for her northern title belt at 105 pounds. Um, so I fought her very close together, and I actually won that fight, um, and I won the belt, and then in the process of uh, like the aftermath, of that fight, I had Siam contacting me in order to do a profile and stuff like this. And uh, in in the process of like talking about the fight, um, I was alerted to the fact that as a Faron, I can't actually have that title. Um, which, if I didn't speak Thai and if I wasn't talking to this guy, I might never know. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, so it it kind of was. I don't know if annoying is the word, it was disappointing, but at the same time I had so many doubts going into that fight about whether I really was fighting for the belt, whether I really could win it, all of these different things, so I think I was a little bit prepared for it. And then on top of that, all of the things that made it um, an intense and significant experience didn't change by not being able to have that title. and when I talked to my trainer, Pnu, at Rung about it, he was like, No, you have a video of you winning. Obviously, you are the Northern, yeah. <laughs> the Northern champ, because you have it on video. So, uh, according to him, and uh, according to all the things that made it significant, it, it feels the same. Um, and I actually get to fight her again this Saturday. Um so oh, okay. I, can, I think she's coming for blood in this fight. Yeah. Um, and shortly after fighting her, I went and fought doing down Noi, who was WPMF champion almost exactly a year ago. Um, and I fought her on Kanam Tom Day, which is like Muay Thai Day, um, or the father of Muay Thai Day. And that was in Ayutthaya, which was a really beautiful place to fight. And there were a lot of really big names um, Ashley Nichols, Janice, Namdan, Quan um, Jai. These are really big female names. They were all on the card. Fanny was fighting from Greece. And it was a really exciting day, and I got cut in that fight, which actually went, like, I wouldn't call it viral, but that picture went really far (laughs) on, like, Thai media. Um, And I was very happy to win that fight. It was pretty significant uh, being able to fight her, and it's kind of, like, moving towards, um, I guess, kind of recognition on a certain tier of fighters. Um, But because of the cut, I wasn't able to fight for what for me is a really long time. I didn't fight for about 30 days um, and training was really really hard. (laughs) Uh, Training that long without fighting Um, and so in order to make up for it I had three fights in four days when I came back Um, and that was good. I got to rematch Rungnapa from Pormung Pet Gym who I fought a number of times in the last one like I wanted to get vengeance for Um, and then I fought a girl who just fought Saya Ito who's WPMF champ in Japan, um, and they had a draw at Asia Teak, um, so yeah. I, I fought her, and then uh, the next day I went down to Hua Hin and fought um, a girl who has two names. She fought uh, Kritai Tong, who both Emma and I have fought. Um, she fought under the name Pet Wapi when I fought her, um, okay. but apparently she's also known as Nong Bo. Um, And she's actually got a pretty impressive record. I just found her online just now (laughs) because she has these two names and I was like, oh, I didn't know who she was. But what was really funny about it is that between rounds four and five, um, when you normally hug and like say sorry and stuff like that, like Thai girls love to be like, sorry, to make you think that you're losing the fight. Hates it. You know what she said to me? She's like, ka." So she's like, What's your name? <laughs> I'm like, I had my mouthpiece in, and I'm like, like, There's no time to answer this question. I have to hit you. And it was like, It was, it totally, totally threw me for a loop. It was very funny. I'm like, Why is she asking my name? How do I avoid you in the future? <laughs> I'm the farong with tattoos. You'll know me. <laughs> so that's, what t- that's been my month. It's been a busy month
1: yeah, seriously busy. and it's not just like you've been fighting, they've like been some big fights.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I got to come spar with you right before your second fight. Yeah. That was really good, and I got yeah, to train with uh, Diesel Noy, which was awesome. He's very cool. You've trained with him
1: before. Yeah, he has such a good energy in the gym.
0: He's incredible He doesn't stop like
1: no.
0: like he kind of outdid me <laughs> <in> a <laughs> lot of ways.:
1: It's amazing. How old is he now? I have
0: no idea. At all. Like, maybe late 40s? Early 50s?
1: Yeah, somewhere around that. Cause he's, he's- You wouldn't know like, it, he's so active.
0: Yeah. He's but he's contemporary with Samart, who's like, 50, I think.
1: Mhm. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, alright. So where was it that you actually trained with these Desanoi? So it's some kind of like cultural center
0: Um, and I kinda didn't know what to expect when I got there but when I got there there's clearly there's like a ring set up and there are bags on the side and there's this big like red carpet that leads up to it and it's got um, like legends and champions with these huge photographs on either side so I think that they hold fight events there and it, it definitely worked as an area for training. Um, so it's actually really cool to like train basically um, in a kind of outdoor gym with just like a huge canopy over it. It's like totally where you would have um, a semi-outdoor fight, like those temporary rings.
1: I feel like that might be where the first um, one-round knockout fight was. was.
0: Ah.
1: It was a cultural center. I think that's where it was.
0: Was the second one not at the same place?
1: No, I don't oh. think so.
0: Do you know who does the one round knockout at all? Like who?
1: It's that? um yeah. the WMF, I believe.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, because the, the very first one round knockout was um when the WMF do this like pro am thing every year, and I think it was last year when they they had one at Lumpini, the new Lumpini Stadium but the women had to fight in a ring in the car park. Right. <laughs> and I, and I, I think that that show was a like a, a one round knockout deal. So it was like, huh. you fight one round, then somehow you end up a world yeah. champion. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but so this was like yeah, officially was the, the, one. the second one, right? Like kind of officially?
1: Yeah. Yes. So yeah. it's now Emma... become its own event.
0: Emma and I watched this fight kind of together. She was at work. Well, you were at like a cafe near your work, watching it on your phone or something.
1: No, I was at work watching it on the TV, and I stayed. I stayed there so late that um, the maid had to come. So I. I did, she was too polite to say anything, but she would, instead of just telling me like, "Hey, it's like time for me to go home," she just like hung around while I was watching it for like eight <laughs> like until like they were locking up the place. She was like, Can we can we go now? And yeah. I felt really bad. because <laughs> <Yeah. So, laughs> I was so into the fights I didn't realize.
0: So I was watching at home on the computer and Emma was watching at work and we were like online talking to each other between fights and uh it was very funny because well, it was unfortunate. You actually had to leave right before the finale, right?
1: Yeah, which is the whole thing I wanted to see.
0: Yeah. So so this this time was a little bit smaller than the first time. This was fifty two kilos, I think.
1: Yeah. Or 50, or 51. I think it was 51.
0: 51. So it was um, Fanny from Greece who fights out of Sasaprapah, who um, she fought on Kanam Tom Day a few days before, and then she fought in this one round knockout, and she is like on fire right now. She's doing yep. amazingly well. Um, and her first fight was against Marcela Soto, who um, fights out of a gym in, in Phuket, but she is from Costa Rica. Yes. Um, and. So they had their first fight, and Fanny won that, and Zaza, who is a former WPMF champion who's kind of making her comeback, um, and she's kind of, um, I've read interviews with her where she's kind of talking about how Muay Thai is a little bit of a launching pad for her to start like a singing and acting career. Um, She fought against a girl I've never seen before, Monica, um, who seemed undersized for that tournament.
1: Yeah, and, and under-experienced, I think, but she did really well.
0: She was really really tough in that first fight against Zaza, and I thought that she was really gonna like. I think if it was more than one round, it would have been very different. Um, yeah, but that's I guess that's part of the thing about a one round uh, knockout exactly. tournament. So it ended up being Fanny and Zaza in the final, and they're both really tall for, for this tournament. Like, both of their both of their first fights were kind of like they were the super tall ones, um, and that. That final fight between Fanny and Zaza, which you had to watch after, uh, but I was watching live and, like, my brain was melting, um, was really, really exciting. Like, Fanny's use of distance um, was really beautiful, and Zaza is kind of a clinch fighter, um, and so she was really charging forward and trying to do um, some very interesting tricks and stuff, uh, being on TV that that didn't work, (laughs) given what Fanny was doing, Um, but... It was a very exciting fight, and I was very excited to see uh, to see Fanny win that whole thing. So, I don't know. Do they get a lot of money, or is it? I kind of didn't see what the prizes were.
1: I have no idea. I know that they get a belt, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, if there's, a, there's prize money, or if you know Fanny have to defend it in the next show, it's all very new. So we'll just have to see what happens.
0: Um, but so we got to see Fanny fight again um, at the. Sunkron fight in Bangkok that I fought on, Teresa fought on, Ashley fought on, um, Nong Em. It was like a, a really big card. Um, but Emma and I actually got to sit together rather than like talking to each other online while <laughs> watching the same fight. Um, Fanny's fight was near the very end of the show, which I think was uh, not supposed to be the case. I think she was supposed to fight pretty much right after me, and then they moved her uh, to the end, um, and she fought a girl whose name I didn't catch, but I saw her two days later when I fought up in Karat. I fought her teammate, and so uh, after the fight, like I saw her because she had her um, she had tape over her stitches from her fight with Fanny, and I kind of recognized her. And so, just like in my last fight, where the girl's like, what's your name, like, between rounds, at the very end of the fight, when I go over to the corner to say thank you to her coach, I was like, did that girl fight Fanny? (laughs) It's like, yeah. (laughs) like, oh my god, she's so strong, it's really good. So yeah, I fanned out a little bit.
1: (laughs) I think her name was Lugnam.
0: Yeah. And then the the gym is Gorgangyao or something.
1: Something like that. We'll have to look it up.
0: Yeah, we'll put it in the post. Um, and then another exciting fight uh, that was not the main event, it was at the very end, but it was so good, was a girl that Emma and I have both fought, <coughs> whose name means grasshopper. Um, she's very like long and like strong. Um, she fought against uh, Hong Kao, who's very stylish. Um, Hong Kao is an Asan champion who now is in college, and so she's fighting kind of down by where your last fight was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've seen her on like Hua Hin cards and stuff like that. Um, but what, <laughs> what was your experience of, of that fight? Because I'm waiting to fight Hong Kao and have fought Grasshopper, and you've fought Grasshopper and have kind of followed her really well. So, what was your experience watching that?
1: Yeah, the beginning of that fight, um, you, you could tell that she didn't look so that she didn't feel so great. Like, on her face, you could just see. Um, although maybe, like, I'm just feeling that because you'd already told me this, <laughs> but to me it seemed that way, and the first few rounds, it, like, Hongkau was kind of outclassing her, but then somehow she, Dakaden Grasshopper, she just pulled it out right at the end. Yeah. It was really, really cool, even though she, she kicked my ass last year, like, I was still rooting for her to win that.
0: <laughs> I was rooting for her, too, and I actually, um, I don't know why my bias is so strong, but I really dislike fighters who are like 90 percent style. They don't really seem to fight very much, so Hong Kao, like she'll throw one huge kick and then she'll just do this kinda like bouncy thing and then if she misses she'll bounce even harder as like, oh I can't believe you got out of the way, it's like brat Muay Thai and it drives me crazy. Um, So I really wanted Dakaran to like smash her, um, which ultimately she kind of did near the end there um, but it was one of those fights that's really hard because uh, Hong Kao looks really good with her styling. And so even when she gets hit, she can kind of play it off like she didn't. But fighters who fight like that often don't score very much. So they end up winning a fight on like two points. Um, and so at the end there, when Dakaden just like scored a few points, it became really hard for Hong Kao to be able yeah. to catch up to that. Um, so it's, it's almost like a. Um, turtle race or something, where, like, it's not gonna be, like, a tear-off. It's, like, this very, like, they're inching towards, and you're like, oh, is she gonna stay ahead? So, that was a very exciting fight for me, yeah.
1: Yeah, just before the end of the fight, didn't, um, didn't they get into the clinch, and, and Hong Kao like, took Grasshopper's back?
0: Totally! And I was yeah. like, don't chase her after yeah. that! Um, I thought that might have actually clinched the fight for, for Hong Kong but I'm glad it didn't. It yeah, that's why it was so cool. Yeah. Um, and then... Earlier in the night were some really big fights. Um, Ashley Nichols fought Namdan Pet. So Ashley is from Canada, um, and she is fighting out of Kusumrit Gym in Bangkok. Um, And she's here for a couple of months, and she's actually been on these really big cards that I think Kusumrit is part, at least partial sponsor for some of them. Um, So they have quite a few fighters. Um, And she was fighting Namdan, who on... Um, the Calm Tom Day in Ayutthia had won a WPMF belt against Janice, also from Canada, and QSumrit. Ritt. Um, and then Ashley had won a belt on that day as well, so they were at, I think, a catch weight for WPMF fighting each other. Um, and man, Ashley like came out with these like punch and low kick, just endless combinations. I was like, is she going to be able to keep it up for the duration of the entire fight? Because she had actually started a little bit slow. Um, in the last fight, but she did not let up, man. Like, she was, like, snuffing Namdan's clinch and just kind of, like, slamming her in the face with a right hand any time she wanted to. It was it was intense.
1: Yeah, that was such a good fight. She was just nailing her with right hands throughout the whole fight.
0: Yeah, and Namdan is really good at, like, just kind of moving through it. I mean, she was definitely affected. She was kind of, like, Pez Dispensering a little bit, um, but she's tough. She was not, like, I can't imagine, you know, if she was very bruised after the fight or whatever, um, but there's a lot of right crosses, which in Thai scoring, hands don't really score really high unless they're effective, but those were really effective. Yeah. So, yeah. She was kicking a lot as well, Ashley.
1: Yeah, that was my favorite fight of that night.
0: Did you get to see it from the... Were you sitting with me or were you sitting on the other side of the ring? I, I was on the other side at that point. How did it look from that side? Because I kind of, like, was... I was only watching sometimes, but every time I looked up, it was the same, like, Ashley just pounding on her.
1: Yeah, that that was pretty much how it went the <laughs> whole
0: <laughs> And she won, uh, Ashley won a, uh, like, fire extinguisher from the sponsor.
1: Yeah, I think, because, you know, at the end of the fight, sometimes they'll, like pass new little cards with like the logo of like the sponsor on it and you just got to hold it for a photo and yeah. then pass it to someone else yeah. it was one of those deals i don't think it was like a fire extinguisher that she like took home as a oh, gift oh okay all right <laughs> it was like it was just like oh these guys are sponsoring us okay
0: yeah you get you get strange things as prizes from sponsors in tie fights i got um an air pot, which is basically like a kettle that stays on all day, and you push the top, and it like dispenses hot water, so you can have tea at any time. And it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> um, I got a towel once, and at MBK, I think they gave us eggs, like a dozen eggs. eggs. <laughs> yeah. So you get really practical things. <laughs> from sponsors.
1: I saw at MBK they they were giving out naman oil quite a lot. Like they give you uh, like a little set of Thai oil. That's probably it more useful for fighters. Well, uh, I guess you could use some eggs, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can. I eat a lot of eggs. Um, and then they also had on that show um, Pet Dapi, who's who used to be known as Porkau was um, mm-hmm. defending her belt against Teresa Wintermere, who's Swedish and has been in Thailand for a long time and been fighting top-tier fighters for a long time. Um, and I talked to Teresa before that fight, and she said that she had fought Uh, Pet.P a few years ago um, and had wanted to rematch her, I think for like three or four years already and it just kind of didn't pan out and that belt like that title has actually passed through a number of people um, ultimately coming back to Pet.P for her to be defending it at this show Um, so it was I watched that fight from the corner. I went to, um, to to Teresa's corner. It was the first time I'd met her in person but I've talked to her online many times and I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, and she let me borrow her corner because I didn't have one which was really great so her trainer was was my corner in my fight. Um, but I had to put her contact back in her eye between rounds like three oh. and four. I've never put a contact in my eye so I was like totally freaking out. And she's like just put it in like she was totally just relaxed about it like just wanting to be able to see. Um, I would be
1: very nervous about that.
0: I was told, I was like trying to like clean my hands on the towel and she's like don't worry about it, I Just <laughs> I was like oh my god. Um, but uh, she was very disappointed in that fight for herself. I think because because there was a lot of uh, background for her about this belt and fighting um, Porcaos, who she fought before, but same girl. Um, I didn't think I definitely know it was not Teresa's best fight, but I don't think it was nearly as bad as she feels like it was. Um, she was trying to catch her near the end there, but when it's the end of a fight and you're already ahead, basically Pettupi just had to stay away from her. Um, but I was kind of like, I guess fangirling a little bit from the corner, like like being really excited to see Teresa fight live for the first time and, and being in her corner. and. Uh, your boyfriend too was like telling me to tell Teresa things he's like tell her to step in on her jab and I'm like I'm not, I'm not gonna tell Teresa what to do <laughs> Like, I'll be like go Teresa but...
1: yeah he's been like one of those like drunk motorbike taxi drivers <laughs> that comes to I had a guy doing that to me when I was in the corner for your fight actually really? he, ca- he actually came up to me and like hit my leg <laughs> to try and like tell you to leg kick her and I really wanted to punch him in that moment
0: <laughs> yeah yeah People are always like really sure about this one thing that they want you to do, and they'll like find the one person who they think you'll listen to, and they're like, "Tell them to do this." That's <laughs> like, no, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. buddy. Okay.
1: Don't hit <laughs> no. I. <laughs> you should have hit him back. But what was cool? About, uh, you so you and Teresa shared a corner and a moncon actually.
0: Yeah. So uh, Teresa came up from Phuket like the day before, and she just came with her trainer. Um, and so she was very, very nice to uh, to have him help me in my fight. But she didn't come with a monkhan. I guess they uh, either she didn't remember it or they didn't come with one or whatever. So um, after my fight, I I went to thank um, Daw, her trainer, um, and he very like roundabout was asking me what I was doing after the fights because he knew I was fighting again. So he's like, when are you leaving? And blah blah. And it was very like I didn't quite know what he was asking. And so finally, I'm like, well, I'm gonna stay and watch Teresa fight. And he's like, Oh good, can we use your Moncon? I'm like, why didn't you just ask me? Like <laughs> it was just totally like like, Are you gonna be here kind of thing? So, um, yeah, it was it was really meaningful for me to have her wear my Mongon, um, for her Ramloy and her fight. And uh that was very cool. Um I got to like adjust the size of it and stuff, like make sure it was <laughs> make sure it was good and stuff like that. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, because isn't I mean next to you isn't she surely she's the 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 other Farang girl who has like she's she would have had like the second most fights in Thailand. Yeah,
0: I think that Fanny is is uh very close now. I think that um Teresa is Teresa and then Fanny is like right behind that. Um, mm-hmm. and we were all on that card, which is really cool. Yeah. Um but yeah, and, and I think Teresa uh either already is or shortly will be um the Farang who has been living and fighting in Thailand for the longest. She's like coming up on ten years. Wow. Um, and she has never fought Namdan before, she's been scheduled to fight her, I think she said like four times, but it just never panned out in the like, years that she's been here.
1: Uh, that does seem um, strange that they've never fought.
0: Right, and there was recently an article in Siam about how Chomani has no one to fight, and Namdan has no one to fight, but they won't fight each other because they're friends. And when I read mm. that I was like, like, I can think of like five people for them to fight, <laughs> like why is this so yes. hard? Um... But so Teresa went with the poor Hmong pet gym up uh, to some kind of like other Songkran festival fight and did a show fight with Namdan. Um, so it was not like a, she's never fought her, but she went to do this show fight and she was like, I don't really know what that entails. And, and Kevin and I were kind of like nudging each other, like, well, that's just a real fight. They just tell you what the result is going to be before you fight. Um, and uh, I think that Namdan was pretty, pretty sore um, from her fight with Ashley, because Ashley was just so, like, tagging her with everything in that fight, um, and Teresa said she was really tired, but they, they did a full fight, um, and Teresa said that she felt really good in it, like, she felt like she had done a lot, and it was, uh, even though it was a show fight, um, she feels really, really good about it, so hopefully, um, that means that they will be fighting in a real fight, uh, in not too long, because, uh, teresa has been in that circuit for a really long time. It's very weird that she hasn't fought Namdan, but um, I'm happy that she got to get right back in the ring because she was so disappointed about her fight,
1: even though it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I mean, you always feel like that after a fight, like, you always feel like you did so much worse than you actually did.
0: Yeah, your, like, memory of it is totally not what it looked like (laughs) to anybody
1: else. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I I would, like, really put off watching the video. Like, I don't want to watch it. It was so bad. And then when I watch it, I'm like, oh. Okay.
0: Yeah, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> yeah.
1: But that was probably really good for her to get.
0: <laughs> she, had a, um, she had a friend at that show. Um, he spoke Swedish to her in the corner, so I don't know if they know each other from home, or if, or if they're just friends um, from here. But uh, people may not know this, Sankran uh, it's incredibly hot, and you know, people are throwing water on each other, but the government also puts a lot of restrictions on like public decency. And so this Swedish guy had taken his shirt off and was like running around to try to film um, Teresa's fight or something. And I think they were so panicked about him appearing on the TV feed with no shirt on, which who knows what kind of fine that would have been or something. They were like, there are all these men in security, like trying to usher him to the side, but they're all wearing Sankran shirts, which basically look like, like Hawaiian, like hangout shirts. You would never know that their security It was like. It was it was very comical to me, I was like,
1: just, I, <laughs> I wondered who that guy was. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, it's not in Phuket anymore. Why is he like wearing no shirt, shirt or yeah. shoes? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but um, on on the first day off Songkran, police did arrest one Falang guy for not wearing a shirt, and they fined him a hundred baht and just like made an example out of him.
0: Yeah, a hundred baht is like three dollars for for people. <laughs> yeah, unfamiliar with currency exchange.
1: And a lot of people were were, were making a lot of fun about that because yeah. like the 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 main problem with Songkran is that um the there's just a huge amount of like car accidents like yeah a
0: lot of so drinking
1: the yeah. the official statistics it said that like Songkran this year police arrested something like sixty thousand people for Whoa. drink driving over those days and over the full Songkran it was something like three hundred people were killed in car accidents.
0: That's, I think that's more than, than the usual, but not too much
1: higher, right? They said it was 50% more than last year. Wow. You know, they're really cracking down on those guys <laughs> without shirts on.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and women wearing clingy shirts or whatever the problem
1: is. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, I, I hate it when I see, like, dudes walking around without a shirt and stuff like that. But it's like, what's the real problem here?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, So we, we have to go backwards to the um, Waikanam Tom day. Uh, again, yeah. Ashley fought Quan Jai, um, who's one of those top-tier female fighters, um, and she fought her for a different weight WPMF belt and won on that show. Um, I watched that one live. I tried to film it, but I actually like ran out of memory on my uh, camera while I was watching it, which was unfortunate, but um, she kind of... Ashley started a little bit slower, and so like rounds 1 through 3, and maybe even half of 4, she was a little bit behind. And then she turned it on at the end of 4, and ended up knocking out Quan Jai with like 30 seconds left in the 5th round. It was incredibly exciting. Um, And I think that one was on TV as well, so she's been doing really well in terms of like her, um, her visibility and her fights. And so that was a 122 pound WPMF title, I believe. Um, and Janice Lin from Canada was fighting Nam Dan at 126 for WPMF. Um, and Janice was here for like seven months, and she fought Namdan three times <laughs> in that time. Um, and so this was a rubber match. Namdan won the first one, Janice won the second one, and then um, Janice lost this last one at IUTIA. At and um, it was kind of, I've fought girls from poor Moong Pet before. Um, and will again like it's totally like a gym that I'm connected to now um, but they have this, um, two of them have this amazing ability to not do a lot in the fight um, but they're incredibly like defensive and evasive and kind of uh, make it look like they're bored that you're hitting them <laughs> and so that's kinda what Namdan did in that fight um, and she did it really really well and so she ended up even though there was a not not a lot of scores in that fight, um, Namdan made it look like she was way ahead um, at the end. So it was um, it was a really good fight for Namdan at that point, um, and not a bad showing by Janice at all. But but um, I think disappointing for her to leave on a loss. Uh, she's she's gone back to Canada now. Um, but she has been hired by the IFMA um, as some kind of like she's sure. writing a pamphlet on nutrition for them. Um, but IFMA uh, hires a lot of ex-female fighters, and I guess now female fighters, which is really cool to have on their like committees and commissions, um, and when I talked to Janice about it, um, she said that one thing that she wanted to focus on for uh, IFMA and what she's doing in Canada is kind of uniting uh, the different sanctioning bodies and things um, in Canada across, because I, I guess it's similar to the U.S. where they're like very different state-by-state, state and that kind of thing.
1: Oh, that's very cool. I didn't
0: know that. Yeah, I've, I tried to ask her about it, and I actually did an interview with her, but she speaks really quietly, so I, like, didn't, uh. it didn't come out on the video, unfortunately. Um, but maybe I can do like a, a written interview with her now that she's back, and, and probably working on things there yeah. as well. Um, and then uh, Tanan Chinook, who is one of my favorite fighters, i fought her twice, she looks like an action hero in every single second of the fight. Like, if you photograph her fights, she looks like she's like Superman and like levitating and stuff. She's incredible. Um, she defended her 112 pound WPMF belt against uh, Sophia Coco Puff Torcos from Santai in Bangkok on April 1st, I think. And that fight was awesome. Did you watch it? Like, straight up? Yeah, away? yeah. Watch that. It was like normally when you watch fights, there's kind of like rounds three and four are kind of what decide what the fight is, and then the fifth round is basically someone trying to like keep their lead while someone else is trying to take the lead. I have no idea what happened in round five because I, I guess um, Coco Puff dropped a lot of weight for this fight and, and kind of gassed out, and so round four, she just started like backing up as though she'd won kind of out of nowhere. And so I was confused already to begin with, but then Tananchanok was already winning by a lot, and in round five just decided to like go almost as though she was pissed off. Like she went so hard in round five, and I was like, Kevin and I were watching it, and we're like, "What is happening? <laughs> like, what is going on?" But it was it was incredible. Like she was just kind of throwing all of her superhero moves out, and it was an amazing win for her.
1: Yeah, I I was confused by that because um. I didn't. When I was watching the fight, I didn't. I didn't see that she, that, that Sophia was like gassed out. It was only when um, she she said after the fight that she she was tired because of because mm. of the weight. But, but um, I didn't see that. I just thought in round four, I thought, um oh, I guess her corner has told her not to chase, That's and I thought had. that was just yeah. that was her strategy. Yeah. And then it, when um tonight came out in in round five, just hammering forward, I was like, this is really unnecessary, <laughs> <laughs> but it's working really well.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I yeah, it was a good like, fight. I almost had a, like, was this, like, is this a way to lose the fight or something? Like, in a, in a crazy, like, going out in a blaze way, but it was just so, um, unusual. But is really cool to see, uh, a display of Tenan Chinook's skill and aggression, and, um, she has, like, a, she has, like, a masculinity about her style that's, uh, incredible like her her fight style to me is just so cool and it's weird to see someone who Almost looks really scary in the ring and be like I want to fight them <laughs> I was like, "I want to fight Tanachinok again so much She's very cool.
1: It's interesting because like a, a lot of a lot of Tie fighters especially females they seem to like just do enough to win mm-hmm. and then like the fifth round They'll just like stay away and then really annoy you because you'll be chasing after <laughs> them and you can't get them so that was why it was interesting to see her, like, because she was already winning the fight. And I think mm-hmm. she just saw the opportunity to, to turn a win into, like, kind of a spectacular win and just took it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I did, was, a, I did an interview with Namdan right after she won her um, WPMF title at Tom Day, And um, I would asked her, like, what's different between fighting Westerners versus fighting other Thais. And her answer was interesting. She was saying that um, Thais kind of tend to stay in their style. And they're very femur and technical, um, but that Farang are very interested in learning Muay Thai, and so they develop um, kind of quickly, and that they're very strong. And I was thinking about, the I haven't really fought a lot of Westerners, I have very few fights against Westerners, but um, to me, in watching a lot of Thai versus Western fights, what is difficult to me about fighting um, Thai women is that there are so many ways to lose, where you like don't yeah. even know that you're losing. <laughs> and you're like, where did that go? And it's, um, it's partially that like just doing enough thing is that it can, it can slip out in like literally four seconds can change an entire fight. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're incredibly good at it. Um, so it's, it can be a little bit tricky. Um, and at times incredibly frustrating. <laughs> But it's also it's also interesting to see
1: yeah it's funny what you were saying about people like not even knowing that they're losing like on on the Sunday um, me and two were watching so we were watching Super Muay Thai on TV and then on the table we had the laptop showing Max Muay Thai so we were watching both shows at the same right? time um, and on one of those shows there was this English guy who um, the the only one time I, I fought outside of Thailand it was in, in Manchester and he fought on the same show as me and he was fighting on that show, and uh, he he lost the fight he took like a lot of elbows but it went it went to a decision, and then um the next day like I I kind of went to his Facebook profile you know just to be like oh I watched a fight well done but then it was I just saw like a whole list of like. People being like, "I was robbed." That those the judges are frauds, and I was like oh, I hate seeing this stuff because like it was really not an even like a close decision. Yeah, like it was just like a really obvious yeah. loss. But like like you say, a lot of people don't even don't even realize.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can make but it the hard. scoring
1: system here can be really really confusing when you first come here. So it's understandable.
0: Yeah, but then once you like once you start seeing it, it becomes so like. I remember when I first moved here, and I would watch Muay Thai on TV. I would be like, "Why did that guy win?" Like, it, it yes. didn't feel like a robbery or anything like that. But I was like, "I just don't understand." Like, that guy doesn't look like he won. And now it's like I'm, I'm very rarely like I don't understand why that fight went that way, kind of thing. Like, it, once yeah. you once you know what you're looking at, it the math comes out, kind of thing. So, um, I don't know. I think that it's it's not difficult to learn to see it. But it's very difficult to learn to do it. Like I think, that, I think that I've only started to understand how to fight a fifth round, probably in the last like four to six months or something like that. Like I think I've lost fights for myself being too ag- aggressive in the fifth round.
1: Yeah, I I only realized the other day that um out of all of the fights that I've won, only only three of them have ever been by decision. Really. All of the other. Yeah, I've only won three fights by decision, and all the rest have been have been tkos or knockouts I had i'm that really a... not, i'm not good at this uh, dis- uh at winning on points yeah i
0: had that for a long time i think that the first time i won on points was in in like the 20s of my fights or something and Yeah. i was like yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: finally it's tough <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah um right, i'm gonna stop this real quick so that we can okay
1: so this is our third episode now and every episode we've we've tried to give it a theme but we're going in a different direction with this one Um, instead of being something like totally fight related um, we're just going to be talking about food today yay (laughs) good topic
0: um so I, i think kind of the interesting thing about food is that no matter how long you're in thailand it's relevant um and one of the things is that for the first Uh, two years that I was living here up in Chiang Mai, um, I was like many many people in Thailand in that my apartment didn't have a kitchen. Um, So it's one of those things where like you don't actually have a lot of control over your food. Um, And you can live very cheaply on street food. Um, It's everywhere, lots of Thais who live in apartments um, and in the city don't cook their own food like ever. Um, But in terms of like health and affordability and stuff like that, um, starting to cook my own food was something that we did right before leaving Chiang Mai, and now we have a kitchen. Um, Emma's been cooking in her room for a very long time. Um, yeah. But something I think that when people come to Thailand, uh, they don't expect because how could you? Um, you think about Thai food because it's very like fresh and cooked right there, and the ingredients don't come from super far. It seems really healthy. Um, but there's an incredible amount of salt and sugar in all of your food, and so people and gain oil. weight. And they're like, why am I gaining weight? Because it's so hot and I'm sweating so much. But um, that salt and sugar will have you retaining a lot of water. Um, so you don't eat a lot of street food, but sometimes you supplement with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, for the first for the first couple of years, I didn't I didn't cook at all. I was always living off like 30 baht street food, mm. which was great, but then I, I really just wanted to take control of what I was eating, because as you say, there's a lot of sugar, there's so much oil, everything is fried in so much oil. Yeah. Remember the first time I came here, I was amazed that the, the omelettes are pretty much deep fried. Oh, they're so good though. So <laughs> delicious. <laughs> um, but then, uh, after a while, I, I got like, I bought like a... I didn't buy it. I got a rice cooker in a secret Santa competition at the gym. Uh, yeah, so I got a rice cooker and then I eventually, well for a while I was just cooking with that. Like, I got really creative with it. You can cook everything in a rice cooker. You can do soup, pasta, I made brownies in it once. <laughs> um, and then eventually I bought like a little hot plate and I got a blender because uh, the good thing about being the one who stays at the gym for a really long time is the people who leave give you all of their stuff. So, <laughs> I acquired a bunch of cooking stuff, and uh, I used to keep it all under my bed <laughs> because I was living in this tiny room at the gym, and I had to just pull it out from under the bed and kind of like cook on the floor mm-hmm. every time I wanted to make some food. And now that I've moved out and I have a condo with like a, a little kitchen, I'm amazed at how long I put up with that. Like that was yeah. fine. Yeah. Now I'm like cooking on the floor. Like why? <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's um in. In Thailand, there are very uh, like basic dishes that you can just get everywhere. It's like how uh, in America you can get like a grilled cheese sandwich anywhere you go kind of thing. So I think the most familiar foods are like um, Grapao, which is like a, a basil stir-fried usually with meat. Um, and then you can get the omelette, which is incredible. You can get that with pork. There's like fried chicken, um, and then lots of uh, curries. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not super hard to find things that aren't really spicy, like Thai food is really spicy, but not every dish is. Um, If you're eating a san food, almost all of those dishes are gonna be spicy, but um, you can ask for things, my pet, which means not spicy. Um, But I think that uh, one of the things is that everything you eat when you first start out is so delicious, and then you realize that you're eating the same, like, five things over (laughs) and over and over again. so a lot of gyms, uh, maybe not a lot of gyms, some gyms they will have one or two meals served daily at the gym as like part of your package. I went to Sit Mon Chai and they have like a whole kitchen and they feed everyone right after training um, and that was a really good variety of food just like they, they put everything out. The Thai style of eating is that you have like a bunch of different dishes and then your plate of rice and you basically take a little bit of everything. Um, and ties do try to balance things in terms of like having a bitter element, a sour element, a um, you know a sweet and a
1: spicy and that kind of thing. Um, An so- interesting thing about uh, when you'll share your food together like that—it's something I learned from my students that it, there's this superstition that if you have the last one, that means you'll have a really handsome boyfriend. Really? Yes. <laughs> I teach about superstitions a lot in a way to like use different grammar forms, and that always comes up. And they also tell me that if you sing. While you're cooking, you will have an old husband.
0: Yeah, I've heard that if you take the rice lid off of the rice cooker, you'll get an um, ugly husband. Oh, that's new. Yeah. I'm already <laughs> My married, favorite, so I don't worry about it. But.
1: My favorite one, which is not related to food at all, is that if there's a little gecko in your house and it's like making a sound, like the little that they do, uh, you shouldn't go out because it's like, something bad's going to happen, like the gecko's warning you.
0: Yeah, but when are they not making that sound? Like, you have to be inside all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: Um, the the fried bugs, like the deep fried bugs that you can get late at night and usually in like areas that have bars are delicious. So do not be shy of those.
1: They're so good. Um, but in terms of they like... They also have these, these, these tiny little frogs. They, they also have these tiny little frogs, like, you can get, like, the, kind of, like, the big frogs that you can get in, like, a real, like, a full dish, but, like, usually on the bug carts, they have these little tiny frogs. Um, I tried one, it was disgusting, it was yeah. just bugs.
0: But, <laughs> I, I do I was getting the crickets, because they're delicious, and the lady was like, do you want the frogs? And I was like, I've never had one, so she just took one and, like, put it in my bag of crickets. And, uh, the, like, briny swampiness of it was just, like... Unreal. It was so concentrated. It was like I was licking the bottom of a lake or something. It was, uh, not,
1: it was not my thing. Not into it.
0: Um, but the like the silkworms are really nice. Um, I'm afraid of the scorpions.
1: Never done that. I mean, to me, kind of, it will just taste like anything that's been fried, to yeah. be honest.
0: It's salty and good. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: not into the crickets only because, like, it, I don't know, it kind of freaks me out eating something's whole body at the same time with like the legs and everything, I just know.
0: Well, you have to snap off the back leg because it's got the little spikes on it. Yeah. So technically it's not the whole body. Well,
1: okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> In that case. <laughs> um, when I started uh, when I started cooking for myself, um, I'm married and Kevin eats like four things, so I don't cook like a lot of different <laughs> things. Um, but the... I still like read uh, western media and stuff like this so people on Facebook will be talking about kale and how like kale is the greatest thing ever or like the benefits of spinach and all these things Um, and the thing is you can't just go out and buy those things here in Thailand Um, the the vegetables that you're gonna be getting here like the ingredients that you're cooking with are not necessarily familiar Um, so you just need to, to try things and then become accustomed to them so like Now instead of going and buying, uh, I don't know, like, I buy a lot of Chinese celery because I know what that tastes like and I know how to cook it now and so it becomes like my jam. So I go and I'm like, I know I'm getting the Chinese celery. Um, You can find western ingredients in Thailand, which some people might be, um, they might be thinking that you can't find it anywhere. If you're in Asan, you're not going to find it, but they do have like supermarkets here that have imported stuff, but it's crazy expensive. So if you, like, gotta get your cheese and
1: Cheerios, it's going to be really expensive. Um, yeah, I, I bought some uh, halloumi the other day. Ooh. I could not buy it. I had to. It was 175 baht for, like, a, a chunk of it. Yeah. I have no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's a good thing about, because um, I have quite a, a different lifestyle to you in that, like, I, I work in the center of Bangkok, but also I work in a shopping mall. Mm. So the, the supermarkets are right there so they have a lot of imported ingredients so I have pretty good access to that. But if you're shopping uh, in the little street markets all the veggies are so cheap. You'd be yeah. amazed what you can get for like 20 baht. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then I feel really bad when I like get something from the market and I put it in the fridge and then I come back to it like the next day and I, I, I compare it like what I bought from the market with something I bought from the supermarket a few days before and like the stuff I bought from from the street is just like wilted after one day, and I'm like,
0: yeah, because the uh, the stuff is not like irradiated and sprayed and like, all of the things that make it last. Um, when we were living in Chiang Mai, um, you couldn't buy. Um, there were places to buy fresh bread, but we didn't know where that was, so we were basically buying it from the Tesco. And that stuff will never go bad. It's like made out of plastic or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, now we live next to a big sea that has like a really big uh, bakery in it, so we can get. Um, relatively affordable bread, like we, we can't get it all the time, but it's it's good um, and uh, it's I don't know It's I don't really have a problem with rice the way I've heard some people, they get like really sick of eating rice in Thailand I, I totally will eat rice with everything but um, occasionally it is nice to just be like, I got some toast <laughs> like I really <laughs> want some toast yeah. um, coffee is a little bit difficult in Thailand, there are a lot of coffee shops um, where you can get real fresh coffee but there's still a lot of like nest cafe um,
1: and like not so awesome coffee as well see I'm not a coffee drinker but I I've heard from friends who drink it that like that they are really into the iced coffee here because it's just so loaded with like condensed milk and just sugar. just a candy bar
0: in a glass yeah. <laughs> it's, <really good.
1: laughs> it's like 20 bar
0: um, but you and two are vegetarian vegan or
1: yeah, I mean, I'm not a full like vegan, but I just try to eat like plant based as much as as much as I can. And uh, in in Bangkok, that's actually not hard to do at all. Um, especially for me because I I, I have a full time job, so I have a. It's not like if I was just living off a of fighter's income, like I have a bit of extra money to throw around on food. Um, that's where all of my money goes. Actually, I don't I don't go out, I don't drink or anything. All of my costs are food. Um, so Bangkok is actually. In the last year or so, there have been lots of vegetarian restaurants opening up. I don't know what's happened, but there's so many places to go now. I've actually got a, a post on all of my favorite ones, which is going to be up in the next couple of days. Um, so eating out is actually not a problem at all now. There's, there's lots of really good vegetarian and vegan places. The good thing about Bangkok is that you can you can find anything. Mm. Um, that's that's kind of why. I've stayed here for so long. You don't really need to get homesick as much because any kind of food, like okay, you know, like soy. Nana has all the like Lebanese food and Indian food, and then you know what area to go through for like good Mexican food. Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. Is it um is it expensive at all? Because the the vegetarian places I see tend to
1: be a little bit like boutique. Some of them are, yeah. Um, there's a, there's a couple of places um, that are pretty pricey, but not all of them are. I'll, I'll have them up in my post uh, with all the details and stuff.
0: And then how is it for... Um, in, in Thailand there is a particular kind of vegetarian called J, which also doesn't have garlic and onions and things like this. <laughs> um
1: uh, is, it- jay, jay is vegan. Mang uh, Lat is vegetarian. Uh, but vegan here also includes not having like strong flavors, like leek and garlic and stuff.
0: Hmm. Is it hard... Uh, to order vegetarian at a non-vegetarian restaurant? Like, is it difficult to get them to not put fish sauce and meat and stuff like that in?
1: Um, yeah, but because, like, one of the things about Thailand is, like, people don't like to go outside the box too much. <laughs> like, sometimes you'll, like, order a curry or something and be like, oh, can could, could I have this, like, just vegetarian? They're like, no. I'm like, but do you have vegetables? Yeah. Do you have the curry? Yeah. Can, can you just do that? No. Like, there's just no reason why. Um, a really good example of this is one time when I went to Krispy Kreme, actually. This has nothing to do with being vegetarian. Um, but I, I went there and I ordered two donuts, right? And uh, they were like, we don't have any bags. And I was like, that's fine. I'll have two donuts. And then they like, they, they pass it along the line. I get to the cashier and they look at me. And they're like, but we don't have any bags. And I was like, yeah, give me the donuts. And they were like, a box? And I was like, sure, put it in a box, fine. And they were like, the box is for six donuts. Like, you need to buy six. I was like, no, why do I need to buy four more donuts because of your fuck up? I got so mad. And then like a Thai guy later in the line thought that I didn't understand, he was like, Miss, you, you need to buy six. And I was like, I don't want six. And I just left. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> Not six, two. And, and then I was mad because, you know, I've had that stupid experience and I didn't have donuts. <laughs> I was so angry. Like This happened like a year ago and I'm still mad about it. You
0: should have just shoved them in your mouth immediately. <laughs> it's <got to>
1: go. <laughs> it just didn't make sense. And like, and there's this supermarket that I go to like at, at my work, and sometimes if I'm working like a long day, I might go there like several times a day, mm-hmm. like to grab some snacks or to grab my shopping after work. And they know me, and they know I do not have a membership card. But every <laughs> single time, they're like, "Do you have a membership card? No, you know this, but they have to ask. Nobody so, ever offers me one. Right? Nobody <laughs> you, you know, here's how to get one.' But um, so <laughs> I think with with some like with with some, like, proper restaurants it might be a problem, but with, like, street food and stuff, they're usually fine to, mm. to do whatever.
0: I've had, um, I've, I've learned to, like, kind of trick people, I guess is the way I would say it, is that if I ask them to leave an ingredient out, usually, for Kevin, he doesn't eat mushrooms or eggs or things like this, so if I ask them to leave one ingredient out, they can generally do that um, at restaurants, but at street stalls, if I ask them to change things, I think they worry that it's not gonna taste right, and so they'll just yeah. put it in anyway, so what I've learned to do like when I order Sam um, which is the like papaya spicy salad I hate the like dried shrimp that they put in there um, <laughs> and I like it to be really sour like I don't like it to be sweet so they're fine with leaving the shrimp out but if I tell them don't make it sweet they get upset but if I add I like sour like this is a flavor that I enjoy they'll make it the way I like it so <laughs> um, if, if you're asking for something to be changed if you tell them that you like it to be wrong or something. Yeah. It, might, it might help. I think they're afraid of it not tasting the way that they like want it to taste. They're afraid it won't be delicious. Yeah, in but Thailand, no, if it's, it's not, it's not going to be good. Like, yeah. this is
1: how I want it. Yeah. Uh, I had some some friends who came over here with with their with their baby, who uh, was only one, and uh, they were here on vacation, and they had a real hard time in the resort that we were staying at. Um, because we came for a wedding in in the resort, they had a real hard time uh, getting food for the baby because uh, they can speak Thai and everything, and they were just like, "Please, just like boil some vegetables and mash them up and give to us." And they had just a real hard time, even when they when they understood what they wanted, but just they were like, "But that's that's not going to taste good,
0: like, like, it's but a baby. this
1: baby." <laughs> yeah, because the first thing they brought was like this rice soup, and um, it was really really salty. And the kid just like tried it and was like, oh Jesus. Um, um, event it took like a really long time, but eventually they got it. Um, but when we went to like a street, uh, like just a a restaurant on the street, they were they got it first time. They were like, okay, so I'll just boil some pumpkin and I'll have that. And they she was really nice, the lady she like made it for them every day and had it ready for them when they wanted to pick it up every morning, like a little set for the day. But for some reason, in the resort that was like supposed to be like friendly that it just did not work (laughs) (laughs) um when you have to like if you have to cut weight um you have a
0: lot of control over your food i don't know if i'm just like uncreative Mm -hmm. or something but when i have to cut weight what i do is i cut salt out of my diet and i find it really hard like i can't think of delicious things to eat so i just end up eating a lot of like hard boiled eggs and salad or something <laughs> um so when you have to like control your food and uh, maybe cutting weight or whatever your thing is like how do you go about like controlling your food and and can you eat out when you're trying to c- cut weight or can you do you just avoid it altogether
1: i generally avoid it altogether also it's kind of like a self control thing because mm-hmm. if i if i eat out i might not have the self control <laughs> Um, it's it's difficult for me because because I work in the evenings, and I, and I leave for work at, like, 3.30 to 4, and I get home at, like, 9.30, and that's, like, mm-hmm. the time. During that time, I should be eating dinner. Like, um, so I can eat beforehand, but then I'm still going to want to eat afterwards. The way that I, I found it works for me is if I, if I have my biggest meal at lunchtime, mm-hmm. and then I just kind of have, like, small things, little and often, throughout the evening, and then I'm okay. Um, but I just... I put... A, as many vegetables as I can in in all my food when I'm cutting weight, and then try to cut carbs down as much as possible. And yeah. that seems to work for me.
0: Do you um do you put other seasonings in in place of salt, or you just eat like crazy bland food when you're
1: cutting weight? <laughs> um, I've only done the bland thing like one time. Um, when it was like really, really close, and I still had a little bit of weight to drop, um, but usually no. Like I just I'll throw anything in there mm. in, instead of instead of salt. Usually, I, I usually I don't actually have to cut weight. Right. Um, I've only have ever had to do that like twice, maybe three times in my life. Yeah, I mean you have to do it more often than I do. Yeah, but usually I don't. Part even, part I've, part I've only weighed in a, a few times ever.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. it's
1: usually not a concern of mine. Yeah, I um. I tend to buy
0: like fresh herbs at the market and try to put those in like last minute for something or I'll buy like a um, salt free like literally just chili powder just to Mm -hmm. taste like something because I'm eating boiled eggs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's just (laughs) sad.
0: So, um, you wrote an amazing blog post on rape culture in Thailand, and it actually got picked up by Thai media all over the place, so can you talk a little bit about that whole thing?
1: That has been really, really crazy, Has taken over like the whole last couple of weeks. Um, I had this this idea for a post in, in the works for ages um, about... Uh, Thai soap operas and how they have a lot of a lot of rape scenes, but not not just rape scenes. But usually at the end of it, the 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 couple will fall in love and like live happily ever after. Like it's not it's not portrayed as like a terrible thing or a crime. It's like it's largely like normalized. And and these these shows this isn't just now and then. This is all the time. These shows are on every night, and these episodes are on so frequently. I think there was a a survey that said something like eighty percent of the soap operas have have these scenes, which is kind of ridiculous and uh, for that reason actually most of my students tell me they don't they don't watch soap operas because oh. they find it ridiculous and repetitive mm. um, and, and they don't like these scenes either for that reason most of them watch Korean soap operas that's the thing <laughs> um, so I, I try to, to write blog posts about it all um, including some of my experience when a, a, a student of mine made this really strange rape joke to me <laughs> um, during a class, they were like, "If if you don't pass me for this class, I'll, I'll rape you." Haha, and I was like, "Okay." So I, I kind of tried to tie it all into, you know, why something like that might might be normal, um, or might be kind of accepted, and then I went down this rabbit hole um, of all this information and tried to use some Thai points of view. Like, there's this uh. One Thai woman, she has a blog called Thai Woman Talks, and it's excellent. She's done a few articles on this. So I used some of her information. I used, there was a study of uh, some students at ABAC University. They were presented with like different scenarios, all of which are rape, but you know, maybe sometimes the girl went with him beforehand, or you know, maybe she decided halfway through she didn't want it, or something like that. They had all these different scenarios, and uh, they they took all of the feedback, or what, what those students, both male and female, thought about them, and a lot, and the the responses were just insane. And mm. like one of them said, "Oh, this this in this situation, the girl consented to be raped, or she deserved it, or um, the guy had to rape her because if he didn't, he would have lost his dignity because he didn't finish the sexual act." And it was just crazy. So I, as I was writing it, I was realizing how important it was. But I had no idea that it would, like, create such a, a whirlwind. Um, I think it was kind of quiet for two days, and then I don't know what happened, but I woke up one morning, and on Twitter it had, like, blown up, and it got shared, like, by lots of Thai people. And that was the surprise to me because, as far as I know, Thai people generally don't read my blog. Right. So I don't know what happened there. So, like, on the first day it had something like 8,000 views, and I was like, well, that's kind of crazy. And then the following day, was 65,000. Um, and it had been shared by this Facebook page called uh, Drama Addicts, which any Thai person will know. is huge. Um, and from there, it just went crazy. It got picked up by some really, really popular Thai websites. One of them is mthai.com. One of them is Pantip, which is like a forum. But it's, it's huge in Thailand. But the craziest thing is that I, came, I went into work, and some of my co-workers said, Oh, Emma, they were talking about your article on the radio today, on a Met 107, which is like the, an English-speaking uh, radio station, a Thai-English-speaking radio station here, like asking people to, to call in, like give their opinion, what do you think, and it created this huge conversation. Mm. And and it f- when it first started, I was worried because I thought, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of a foreigner speaking from the outside, maybe there's a lot of things I don't know, maybe people are going to be offended. Mm. But what was really surprising is that... the the response was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. Like, I got thanks from so many people for writing it. Um, but I'm not the first person to talk about this. Um, there have been Thai people who've written articles about it, and one 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 Thai woman, she did say, she goes, I'm I'm, I'm so glad that you got this huge response, but it's, it's also sad that when Thai people have spoken about this, but they haven't had the same response, it's just right. kind of been swept under the carpet. Yeah. I have no idea why that is, Um, but these things they kind of they tend to be really huge for five minutes, and then you know we'll stop talking about them, and then we'll carry on doing the same thing. Um, But uh, I got a phone call from on the first day of Songkran actually. I got a phone call from a TV producer in Australia. She she produces like a current affairs like journalism program, and now we're trying to work together to create. Uh, an episode of that on this, mm-hmm. we're just trying. On my end, I'm trying to get all the contacts together, some Thai academics and some people in the media and stuff like that. And that's going to be really, really cool because if if it is international attention that is making people talk about it, this is exactly what they need.
0: Yeah, I think so. it's one of those things where like you you know what your same fights are within your family all the time, but then like when it when someone else mentions it and you're like, oh god, are we like being represented that way <laughs> or something? It's yeah. like, it makes you kind of have to confront it in a way that maybe they don't have to confront it when Thai women are writing about it. Um, but I thought it was such an important piece for um, especially women, but anyone coming to Thailand um, to be in gyms because it's such a male space. And um, I've probably been one of the more draconian people about, um, you know, being very aware of bringing sexuality into a gym and how you conduct yourself in a gym, and and it's very weird to talk about things like that because it sounds like victim blaming all the time, to be like, careful what you wear, careful how you act, all of these things, um, but I think being aware of the signals that you don't know that you're sending and then the expectations, um, of what those relationships can, can become kind of thing, and when it's something that's so ingrained into the culture that it's something that people kind of internalize and don't think strongly about, the way those relationships manifest themselves, um, you may not have legal help um, if something gets crosswired. Like if if um, if something that you in your culture would absolutely call rape is not called rape in the country that you're in, you're kind of like you don't. You don't have anywhere to go with that, and it's just going to be called a misunderstanding. And um, I think that we tend to want to trust the people around us, and a lot of women who come to Thailand want to be um, kind of taken care of by their gym, and they kind of kowtow a little bit to their trainers because uh, we come at it from this like martial art master kind of romanticized idea of what it's like to train. Um, and I think that that can lead to situations where advantage is being taken in a dangerous way um, and the signs come way early and you ignore them to the point where it becomes really really too late um, so i I thought your article was one of these like must read uh, without it being a like you are going to be attacked in your gym <laughs> kind of things that's not that's not true either so yeah
1: yeah I mean and And like, what you said about you may not have legal help, I mean, the scary thing is, even if it absolutely is rape, even if you've been violently raped, and if you've been murdered, we've seen that action is still not taken in so many cases. Yeah, because
0: they knew each other, so it's like not... It's scary, honestly.
1: It really is, yeah.
0: Um, so, what is your uh, you so you've talked to this Australian uh, radio station or TV station? TV series, yeah. And are they going to be interviewing you on the phone, or they're going to send someone out here, or?
1: Um, they're gonna be bringing people over. They've asked me if I'm uh willing to talk in an interview. I said absolutely. They've asked me to find anyone else who is, if they have a personal experience they'd want to talk about, even anonymously, mm-hmm. uh, to do so. Um. And I think what's what's really great is what um, you guys have just started doing on on the forum, which is like created like a way for women to anonymously post. Yeah, there, which I think is really really cool.
0: Well, this is something that I find really um, it's so delicate because even though there are ways that women do have protection, and there are situations where like it seems really cut and dry. Culturally anywhere in the world that's not the case like women don't want to talk about their experiences They're afraid of talking about them. They're embarrassed about it And I think that even when you give people a level of anonymity There's still this fear that they're not going to be believed or that they're going to be blamed or anything like this and um, I recently heard about um, a gym owner who has been accused of sexually assaulting women who come to his gym, like, he'll take them out for drinks and then they somehow end up in his bed and they're like, what the hell is going on? And it's one of those things where you're like, absolutely, you should talk about that and warn women about it, but the immediate, like, reputation issue of, like, accusing someone of something like this and it, whether it's true or not, it's damaging in such a wide way, that part of me is like fuck you like absolutely you should tell everybody and it should not be like questioned whether these women are telling the truth but the other part of me is like you can't you can't just go accuse people of things and not expect it to have all of these other ramifications um and it's messed up that it's like that uh because that means that women aren't going to tell their stories and they aren't going to tell other people and they're not going to warn other people and they're not going to be protected in telling their stories so i think that having a place where women can speak largely to other women um, which is a level of protection to itself uh, hopefully i'm hoping it's it's going to be helpful and meaningful to those women who haven't been able to use their voice um, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be like the most severe things either. I think that women are uncomfortable talking about things that you honestly shouldn't even be afraid of talking about. But, but it's, uh, you know, in the world, it's difficult to to share your voice. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of these these women, they feel like if if they talk about it, they're going to be ostracized. You know, and and there was a. a uh, a case where a, a Thai woman, she actually left Thailand. She was fired from her job after uh, reporting her rape, and she left Thailand because she felt like she couldn't live here anymore.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's very sad. Yeah, Liz. Um, they're coming in to fix. They're coming in to fix my aircon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, all right, so the um, the anonymous posting that Emma mentioned is on the Muay Thai Roundtable forum in the women's only section. Um, and basically what this is, is we have created an anonymous profile that the members can use. Um, and it's all going to be the same name, so there's no way to track who it's coming from. Um, and it's basically a way to give women who want anonymity and protection the ability to speak about things that they aren't comfortable speaking about as themselves. Um, the Roundtable Forum is already a little bit protected in, in the female-only section, um, and there are still people who have said that people know who I am and so I can't share my story in there. Um, so this is hopefully trying to create another layer of anonymity and protection for, for those women to have that voice. Um, <laughs> Okay, so, um... This this is the women's laundry. (laughs) Yeah, take it down. He thinks they're freaked out about the fact that it's my bras and stuff, but it's actually just in the way of the air gun. Actually, I called Kumala, the woman who writes Thai Woman Talks, I called her when I lived in Chiang Mai to ask her about the, like, underwear thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's married to a guy, and she said that she had a condo in Bangkok and they had a cleaning lady from Asan. And she, her underwear drawer happened to be kind of up by where her husband's head is on the bed. And that this cleaning lady, like, freaked out. And she, like, Humala had to be like, oh, yeah, no, that is a thing. <laughs> she thought that, like, she was doing, like, black magic on her or something.
1: Um. When, I, when I was um, first living in Bangkok, uh, one of my friends, she, she came over for the weekend, she did some laundry, and she hung the laundry out. There was like a communal like area where everyone hung it and she had hung her underwear there. Yeah. And then we went out and then we came back and she found a note stapled to a pair of her underwear that said, don't do like this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's pretty clear, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it is. On the female only section of the Muay Thai round table, um, so if you are already a member, you can look for that. If you're not already a member, you can go sign up. Usually through Facebook is easier. Um, and men have not really been upset about not being able to be in the female only section, but if you are upset about that, we are not talking about you. (laughs) We are largely (laughs) talking about things that are, uh, relevant to, to women and sensitive to, to women's subjects. So, um, don't, don't feel like we're conspiring or anything like that. Um, We are sponsored by Loblo, which we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. These are our Loblo's. And you can get a discount um, through Amazon UK and Amazon US um, by using our promo code, which is uh, 2L in Kingdom. Wait, I have to start that. I forgot what it is. It's it's saved to ITK. Thank you. I'm glad you know that. We'll just edit that so that you say it. Um, <laughs> and that's a, um, a 10% discount?
1: On Amazon, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and they ship anywhere in the world, so even if you are not in US and UK, you just order through those sites, but they will ship it anywhere in the world. You can also go directly to the Loblo website and check stuff out there. If you are not a lady, they also have mail cups that uh, Emma's boyfriend uses and he's a fan of. Yeah. Um, so the Muay Thai Roundtable is 8limbs.us slash muay dash thai slash forum. So it's, it's hyphens muay thai forum. Um, and what? I think that was it. We will, we will have a blog post to go with this that has references for all of these different things. Um, and hopefully it won't be a million days before we do another one. So I am blessed to catch up on. Um, do you have to go to work today?
1: I do in a couple of hours. Yeah, I'll be going to work.
0: All right. Well, I will be. Uh, I will be going to the gym, and then I'm fighting again on Saturday. So, so that's it for me.
1: Who are you fighting on Saturday? Fla Chang Rai. <laughs> oh, for what? Like the sixth time or something? I
0: maybe. Yeah, but it's the fourth time in, like, a few months or something. So. Crazy. I anticipate that she's going to try to kill me, so that should be interesting. <laughs>
1: I mean, I would if I was her. Yeah. So. <laughs> but she does already have the belt, so whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not for the belt, so that's all right. All right, well, I'll talk to you personally later, and uh, bye, everyone. Bye. bye.